Well, you can set your clocks bias more times than not. This is the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, exclusive home of Chicago Cubs checking featuring free ATMs nationwide. What do you need to do? Open online today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs. And for those of you out there listening, well, it's a, it's, a, it's a dual threat today because you can also check us out on the Marquee Sports Network app and you can watch us. And when I say us, of course, I mean myself, Cole Wright, Tony Andraki, he's our digital content manager at Marquee Sports Network, and Andy Martinez, of course, he's always knee-deep in all things Marquee Sports Network and the Chicago Cubs. So, guys, as we know, when you talk about being knee-deep in Chicago Cubs, well, it seems as if Tony is out there in lovely Mesa, Arizona once again, and he's knee-deep in spring training because the pitchers are there, the catchers are there, position players are there, everybody has descended upon the desert, and as we know, of course, the first televised game on marquee sports network that's march 2nd versus the kansas city royals and i mean there's just so many moving parts tony when it comes to spring training but you know it it usually seems to be a case of pitchers being ahead of position players because that's just usually how it goes they report first but is is that how things are shaking out right now i've seen some of the hitters stepping in the box and uh taking some live bp off some of those arms there yeah i think the cubs are working hard to to make sure that that's not the case in a weird way like the sure they want the pitchers to be ahead but the hitters Chris Bryant even before position players reported Bryant was in there facing live BP um, I think it was Elzele that threw that one and yeah so like the, the hitters have jumped in they've been taking swings some of the guys did report early every year there, there's always guys that do report early but Bryant is one of those and, and Javi and Anthony Rizzo as well that they're just out there trying to take a lot of swings as much as they can without like overdoing it But hopping in and seeing live pitching right away, here we are like five and a half weeks or so until the first regular season game. So I do think that's important. I think it's something that they're they're trying to get back to as well. Like the hitters are anxious to go position players. They're ready to get this thing going. Andy, what do you think? There's a lot of position players that had down years last year, and that's just what it is. If you take a look at the back of their baseball card, their numbers not really in line with what they're used to seeing when it comes to a production level, whether it's Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, or Wilson Contreras. And something tells me that 2021 is going to be a big time turnaround year for that entire quartet. Yeah, you mentioned it. And it's something that, you know, David Ross has mentioned a lot as spring training has been going on, right? That, you know, Jed Hoyer's mentioned it too. You know, they're expecting those guys to get to the level of their baseball card with the numbers on the base, the back of their baseball card. It's been repeated countless times, right? Like I, I feel like that baseball card phrase is, is going to, is going to be with us the whole year. And, you know, I truly believe it, right? Like I, you can't see Anthony Rizzo, Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez and Chris Bryant all having career worst years again. And, and if they are like, you can come back here and, and tell me I was, uh, I was dead wrong. Uh, but it's just, it's just not likely to happen. And I think, you know, given a full spring training, if you think about it last year, right, they had the start of spring training, then everything gets shut down. Then they go to summer camp and, you know, it's a, it's a very fast paced summer camp where you're kind of ramping things up all of a sudden again. And then, you know, you, you go into a 60 game sprint where every game matters and, uh, you know, it's a postseason race from the, from the, from the get go. It's just a completely different atmosphere. Everything's a little bit more relaxed. Everything's a little bit, you know, back to norm. And I think that's going to help these Cubs hitters get back to the Cubs hitters that we know. We're going to see Anthony Rizzo hit those numbers that, that he's hit in the past. We're going to see Javi Baez hit those numbers that he's hit in the past. We're going to see Chris Bryant do likewise. You know, I think this is just a good opportunity. And Tony wrote about this a little bit. And, and David Ross spoke about it. You know, the, the ability to reset is so nice and it's so important. And it's going to help the, the, the offensive hitters a lot this year. 
well, one guy who doesn't have to reset, all he's doing right now is retooling and he's doing so well with a bankroll, not to dip into anyone's pockets that really supports what he's going to do this season. Ian Happ, of course, we know he won his arbitration case. It's the, the first time a Cubs player has won an arbitration case since 1990. And Sean Dunstan, he's going to be getting paid, you know, just a skosh over 4 million bucks. And his numbers on the back of his baseball card from a season ago, something tells me he likes the way they look. And, you know, David Ross has talked about it time and time again, the confidence level that the quiet storm Ian Happ has exhibited, not only last season, but this year already in the early goings of spring training. That's certainly going to be a feather in his cap. And we caught up with Ian Happ just the other day on Cubs 360 presented by Miller Lite just to be able to pick his brain on the upcoming campaign. So let's have a listen. How did the offseason treat you, man? Offseason was great. Um, obviously a little bit different. Um, I think everybody had to deal with a little bit uh, of a different workout schedule or finding a place. Um, but it was, it, was, uh, it was really good to, after that season, um, kind of decompress and, and get the body right for this year. That's great, man. Hey, Happer, it's Sean Marshall. Congratulations on a great 2020 season, leading the Cubs in several offensive categories. What did you what kind of adjust, adjustments did you make going into last year? And what are you working on here in this spring training? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of the adjustments I made were just a continuation of stuff that I felt like really um, I did in 2019, which was a, a lot of getting back to myself, a lot of getting back to um, the success I had in 17, um, confidence, just just understanding that the mental side of it and, and having confidence in yourself at, at this level is the most important thing. So that was the biggest thing. And um, for me, heading into this camp, it was a little bit of work right-handed on some, some of the things that I did really well um, in 19 and 17 um, and, and trying to get back to that, trying to really believe in um, what I can do from that side of the plate um, and just the consistency from both sides. Now, Ian, as we know, two World Series champions on the Cubs roster this season, new additions, Jock Peterson and Jake Marisnik. Now, when it comes to their impact, especially in that outfield, what do you think it's going to be? I'm really excited for it. Uh, obviously, we've had an outfield that's been together a long time. Jason and I have been together um, for a long time, but I, I'm really excited uh, to learn from these guys, already talking to, to Jake Marisnik out there about the way that he's played center field, about some of the things um, that the teams that he's been on have done, what he's learned along the way. Obviously, Jock coming over for the Dodgers for a long time. You know, they have systems in place that are really interesting. So just to pick each other's brain and to start that those open lines of communication, I think that's the biggest thing for us as outfielders um, is just constantly communicating before the pitch, after um, moving each other around. I, I, I'm really excited for it. And shoot, watching Jock's BP is pretty special. Nice. And with these new additions, where do you expect to play this year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't had my my talk with Rossi yet uh, exactly. But, you know, for me, after last year, really uh, hope to lock down that center field job and, and, you know, move around as needed is what I've done my entire career. Um, but, you know, just excited to contribute in any way that I can. Nice. Yeah, starting in center field and hitting that leadoff spot sounds like the sweet spot for you there, Happer. But last season, we know you were all over the lineup. Sometimes you were in the nine hole, sometimes you're in the one hole, but knowing that you will be that leadoff man this season, how does that change your preparation going into the campaign? That's a good question. Uh, I, I think more than anything, it changes your mental preparation because you know um, you're going to get five at bats every single day. 
Um, and, and that from a mental standpoint is just understanding, Hey, my job is to get on base two times a day. However, I have to do it. I, I got to set the table for, for the guys come behind me for hobby, for KB, for risk. Um, those guys are, are such good hitters and such good run producers. And it's my job to get on base and, and figure out a way to do it. So, um, that's how I view the lead up spot. I, I think that, um, more than anything, it's just a, a difference mentally. Nice. And switching subjects just a little bit. I watched the season at a distance documentary last night about the 2020 COVID season and what a tough time it was for all you guys. What was the biggest adjustment for last year and how was it playing in front of no fans, man? Yeah, no fans was, was definitely different. Um, once, once we got into the flow of it, we had such good energy in the dugout, which was really um, came down from Rossi early on. Um, that I think it made it a little bit easier for us to go out there and kind of um, treat it more normal. But from just a human perspective, not seeing your family um, for that amount of time, you know, for me, saw my mom uh, right before the first spring training um, in March and then um, not getting to see her again until after the year. Um, you know, the My brother and, and people that are really close to you, you just couldn't be with them and you couldn't share in the success or, or, or the city of Chicago. And, um, that's something that I look forward to every summer is getting to have people up and, and really, um, enjoy the city with them. So that was, um, for me by far the most difficult part of that season. Now, Ian, one fun thing that you were able to do during the COVID craziness, pretty much that was widespread throughout the season, you were able to connect with connect roasters and you were able to get, coffee for COVID relief. And oh, by the way, the beans are delicious. It's all about the beans. Like Mocha Joe says, these aren't the coffee for COVID relief beans, but nonetheless, still terrific. How's all the coffee venture been going for you, man? Oh, it's been awesome. It's been so great to connect with a business, um, local business in Chicago that's that's helping. Um, we're super excited for some of the things that are coming along. Um, we want to make it so that all of the Connect products are, are a give back in, in that area. You know, every... Um, product does give back to where the beans are sourced, whether I think that bag was Nicaragua or Colombia or wherever. Um, but we're, we're super excited about it. We're going to have um, some stuff closer to Wrigley. We're going to have some more um, connection with the fans this year. And, and the response has just been awesome. But the coffee is great. Uh, it's going to be here uh, at, at Sloan. So I'm excited for the guys to get to try it. Man, I love coffee, man. But uh, switching subject again a little bit. How do you like playing for David Ross? He's the best. He's the best. I mean, Rossi's energy that he brings every day, um, the confidence he has in his players, and really the honest communication. He, he's honest from day one. He tells you exactly what he thinks. Um, and as a player, it just lets you go and be yourself. It lets you really have um, the belief of your manager behind you and just worry about playing the game. Well, we saw John Shambi, a.k.a. Boog. He's headed down to Arizona. He was wearing the Ian hat makes me coffee. So we'll see if Boog gets a nice cup of Joe from me because he, he goes straight black coffee, no cream, no sugar. He says if he wants ice cream, then he would head to Baskin Robbins. But, uh, you know, the question I want to ask you, Ian, is the fact that uh, I heard that there was a little back and forth when it came to John Lester's locker. You and Anthony Rizzo, uh, how much truth to that is there? Who got the locker? Well, who do you think? The captain. Uh, you know, I, I I got a picture from Nico, and and I I saw that that I had been given that locker, and I was like, wow, that's really cool. That's that's a huge um, 
I don't know, just, just sign of respect. I, I think that locker is so incredible um, just because Johnny's had it for so long. And Riz came in, called me, and he said, hey, man, uh, I, I got that locker and you're next to me. And I was like, wait, I thought I had the locker. He said, no, nah, I decided to move. So I was like, you've been here a long time. You have a lot more time in the big leagues than me. I will be happy to be next to you. Yeah, the service time, of course, lends to that corner office, a.k.a. John Lester's old locker. Ian Happ, leadoff man, starting center fielder for David Ross's Chicago Cubs. The Quiet Storm, thanks so much for taking time out. Really appreciate you. Thanks, Happer. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right, Tony, we talked about his confidence, and he touched on it as well. David Ross, he talks about the the ever-blooming level of confidence with his leadoff hitter and starting center fielder, Ian Happ. And just to know where you stand entering a season – that has to be a big contributor to that confidence. For sure. I, when you talk about a guy, well, first of all, baseball is so much mental and Hap mm-hmm. has talked about that as well. So to have that level of confidence, that just that belief that you belong, that the rest of the team knows that you belong. I mean, he's the player rep on the Cubs that took over last year for it. So that was big already. He knew coming into 2020, he was going to make a roster, but or take a roster spot. But what role would he play? You know, we didn't know that for sure. Now that he's really kind of established himself, he got some MVP votes last year. It, I think it can have – it can pay big dividends for him, for this team, because he doesn't have to go out there and earn a spot. He doesn't have to prove it. He doesn't have to put too much pressure into any one at bat because he knows he's going to be playing the next day. He can go 0 for 5 with five strikeouts and not even foul a ball off, and he'll still be out there the next day. He can commit three errors in, in center field, and maybe he gets one day off or something, but he'll be back out there. He is the center fielder of the now and the future for this team, probably the leadoff hitter as well, like you said. So that security can mean a lot to a player. Yeah, and Andy, you know, it just doesn't go with baseball. It goes with almost anything in life, whether it's, you know, whether it's writing or, or, or hosting or schoolwork or whatever it may be. If you have that confidence to know that, okay, this is my job. This is what I'm going to do every single day. It just gives you that little extra sense of security. Yeah, and he's, he's talked about it. And Jason Hayward talked about it during press conferences this week. You know, the, comf- the being just comfortable in your position and being able to do that. And I think one thing we're going to see a little bit more in, in terms of, comfort- of being able to be comfortable is, is him being in the leadoff spot, right? He got it midway through and we saw a little dip in numbers and then we saw it spike back up. And, you know, he had the eye injury, kind of all those things going on. One thing that's going to be, huge is like Tony mentioned, he's going to be the everyday leadoff hitter, the everyday center fielder. And, you know, he, he's going to have a day where he doesn't get a, a hit or doesn't get on base. It's, it's just baseball. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the ability to know, Hey, the next day I'm going to get to go do it again. And tomorrow I might go five for five or, or, you know, I might throw a guy out at home, like whatever, like just having that reassurance that, Hey, I know tomorrow I'm going to play every day. I'm going to play. And I don't have to worry about making sure that this is the most perfect game because, you know, it's baseball. You, you, you know, if you, if you succeed three out of 10 times, you're a hall of famer. Uh, he's, he's going to, he's got that reassurance that, Hey, if he's has, has an off day, tomorrow's a new day and he can come back and bring it. And I think that's just going to help the Cubs offense so much, especially given the, the, the questions they've had with the leadoff spot in the last few years, just that stability there is going to be huge for the Cubs in a full 162 game season. Sure. A confident player is a happy player. And, you know, Pete Rose once upon a time said that, you know, money doesn't buy happiness, but he said if if he could, he'd buy himself four hits every game. And something tells me that every guy, if they got four knocks each and every single contest, they'd be pretty happy once the season wrapped up. Now, Tony, what do you think about this? When it comes to Ian Happ in center field, 
you know, I, I don't necessarily have the 60 times officially from Kyle Schwarber versus Jock Peterson, but Ian Happ may not have to cover as much ground in center field only because he's got Jay Hay over there and right. And now Jock Peterson, who maybe is a, a step or two quicker than Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, well, Peterson's also a former center fielder as well. He hasn't played there really for a couple of years, but yep. to have these three guys, all three of them out there, because Hayward has experience as well in center, you're basically having three center fielders out there, three guys with very good range who see the ball off the bat very well. And I, I do think they're going to cover more ground. They're going to be able to, to play with the Wrigley, um, the wind and, and sun and everything that plays into the Wrigley outfield. But it's something that, you know, Ross has actually mentioned. He's like, we've upgraded a little bit in terms of having Peterson out there instead of Schwarber in the past. So that's not a knock on Schwarber or anything else. He worked really hard to get his defense up to, to the level it has been in recent years. But Peterson is just a step above. He, you know, he, he can he can provide a little bit more than what the Cubs have had in the past and maybe a lot more. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I think with Hap, too, that's something that he has stressed his defense. And Jason Hayward talked about it as well when we just saw him on, on a Zoom with the media. Hayward mentioned how Hap, he's seen Hap grow as a defender and be able to take better routes and, and just expand upon that because – now Hap is not this versatile super utility guy where he might have to play a little bit second, play a little bit of left and right field and so on. He is the guy in center field. He has to play one position and figure it out from there. And, and I think that that can mean a lot defensively too, beyond just the at-bats that we've already talked about with Hap. Yeah, David Bodie is now in that role where he's going to be the jack of all trades. You know, Ian Happ was that guy who could play second base, third base, outfield, all three positions. David Bodie, you are now David Ross's official Swiss Army knife. Now, I don't know if, if Nico Horner, if, if he knew earlier in the offseason that a guy who is, is, is a workout warrior like Jake Arietta was going to actually be a member of this 2021 team. But something tells me that he, he had a, maybe a good inclination only because of the way that he reported to camp. Because word on the street, Tony, is that Nico Horner's down there in camp. He gained a few pounds. He's looking shredded up and he's hitting tanks out there in batting practice. Is there any truth to this rumor right now? There is some truth to that rumor. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Uh, we saw it in even before position players in the first full squad workout, Nico was taking batting practice and yes, it is batting practice. Yes, it is, you know, late mid February, whatever. But I think the results, they did speak for themselves. Like, first of all, he does look a lot he, like he put on a decent amount of muscle, like noticeably yeah. different than the time we saw him last year. And he worked out all winter at, at Wrigley field and stayed in Chicago and stuff too, trying to add some bulk and power. But it, it showed it has showed so far in batting practice. He's hitting the ball, uh, you know, off the top of the net there and like left center hitting over like the mini scoreboard. And mm-hmm. and like, yes, it's Arizona and, and warm weather and stuff, too. But these balls are traveling like 375, 400 plus feet um, off batting practice right away. And that's what you want to see. Nico doesn't need to be a 30 homer guy. But if he adds a little bit more power after not hitting a home run at all in the short season and just in general, any power he adds really helps his game so much as a high contact bat, versatility, defense, speed, everything that he brings. He needs a little bit more, though, in terms of the slug. Andy, for Nico to add pop to what he already brings to the table, I mean, gold glove caliber defense, a guy who gets on base, he, he gets him on, he gets him over, he gets him in. We, we know he's all about that contact. And now if you can sprinkle in a, a few jacks when it, when it comes to his, his offensive line, that's certainly a welcome sight for David Ross and company. Yeah, that's a really welcome sight, right? Maybe, you know, a, a, a double down the, or in the gap, 
that maybe that's a, you know, a wall scraper home run, you know, that just little things like that, adding strength is a huge difference. And, you know, instead of getting a double and now you're relying on a, a base hit by the next guy or, you know, a, a hit and run, you're relying on all these things. You created that run yourself and you don't have to worry about the what ifs of the, the guys behind you, you know, just having that ability to, to put one over the fence like that would be a huge situation. And, and for him, it's just going to be making sure he gets uh, the, the plate repetitions, getting all the, getting the at-bats, getting the, the, the plate appearances so that he can get those numbers and get that confidence. Because, you know, one of the things, tough things about 2020 was that he wasn't playing as much. And it's not like you could have said, oh, like, you know, he's not getting the plate appearances. Let's just send him down to Iowa and let him get the, those at-bats. That wasn't the case last year. So now it's just about getting getting the plate, the plate appearances and making sure that he can get the reps so that he can keep developing. Because last year was a tough year, not just for him, but for everyone league-wide. There was plenty of guys like him that – missed out on plate appearances that missed out on at bats that missed out on, on fielding reps. It's just going to be huge. This 2021 is going to be huge for his development. And David Ross talked about, you know, just communicating with him and how, how, how open he is to communicating and, and speaking up with him. And that's just going to be one thing to see is his, his development in a full season, because at the end of the day, he hasn't played more than uh, 60 games at a time in a, in a, in big league, in a big league season. So 162 is a lot different than 162 as we're, as we've uh, come to learn for sure. Absolutely. Well, Nico Horner, once a gold glove finalist in 2021, hoping to add gold glove winner to his resume. And Nico, he caught up with Taylor McGregor and the gang on Wednesday on Cubs 360. Let's have a listen. What kind of prep work went into the offseason to prepare for a full 162 game season? Yeah, I had a pretty ideal setup this offseason. I was living in, uh, in Lincoln Park in Chicago and and working out at Wrigley all the time, which is super lucky. Shane Wallen, our strength coach, was there all offseason. So not many people got to really work out with uh, their strength coach in person. So I was definitely lucky to do that. And I, I think it worked out pretty well. So, Nico, uh, <clears throat> bigger, stronger, uh, changing the swing a little bit, looking to hit the ball over the outfielders' heads more often? Or uh, what, what was the thinking behind the offseason program? Yeah, I think every, every offseason, obviously, looking to – to push your strength and and be ready for a full seven month month season. So nothing too um, nothing too crazy on the lifting side, but uh, just always learning more and finding edges there. And then on the hitting side, just worth working with Chris Valleca, who's now our assistant coach on the big league side. And I think he's gonna be awesome for both myself personally and the group as a whole. So super lucky to to be able to work with him and um, just be in communication all off season and set some goals. And I'm in a good spot. Yeah, Nico, you mentioned working with Valeka, and we've heard that you've opened up your stance a little bit. So will you just explain the change and what all went into that? Yeah, we, we looked at uh, this past year and years before it and times I've had success and times that I've struggled and uh, just looking at it in a, in a like kind of a broader, broader lens. And uh, what was nice with working with him, it was always a, a two-way street, a great conversation and had some help from the analytics side for sure too. And um, really nice working with someone where it's a constant dialogue and not just direction one way or another. So yeah, a little bit more open at the stance. I'd say just the biggest theme is being more athletic, um, using my athleticism, being dangerous, dynamic player, and uh, giving myself a chance to, to drive the ball every chance I can. So I'm in a good spot. Yeah. It feels like the second base job is yours to lose. It doesn't mean there won't be some competition this spring. You know, you've been billed as a guy who can play all over the diamond. You've played some outfield and minor leagues a little bit at the big league level. Is that in the cards for this spring, too, or is it strictly going to be on the dirt? 
Yeah, I think my mentality is definitely um, focused on second base at this point, like it was last year for most of spring and through the season. But um, I think there's definitely value in my ability to play all over the field. I'll, I'll always take ground balls at shortstop and be ready there. Obviously, our shortstop's pretty decent, um, and that's a, a great, great, uh, great guy to play beside, obviously. But yeah, center field, whatever it takes. We have great outfield depth this year, so I'm not sure how much that'll be needed. But yeah, whatever it takes. Have to follow up on you and Javi working together. He won his first gold glove. You were a finalist. How would you describe the way you guys work together in the middle infield? Well, I just, first of all, just it feels like Javi should have a couple of them by now just in our, <laughs> and how highly we think of him and um, just the energy and passion he brings to playing defense. So I'm glad he, he finally got one of those. Um, yeah, awesome for me in my first year to, to get that recognition. Obviously, 60 games in a shorter year, you want to do it for the full 162 and then do it year after year. And that's that's where my head's at with that. But um, nice nice way to start, at least. Taking a look inside the numbers, uh, not a huge sample, but um, in your brief big league career, you're hitting close to 400 with runners in scoring position, 30 out of 51 or something like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's certainly a trend line. Um, talk a little bit about your approach uh, and, you know, uh, high leverage situations. Yeah, it felt like when I first got called up in, in uh, 2019, I, I had guys on base every single time I was up, which was a product of a strong offensive team. But, um, yeah, I think, I think the scoring position situations often uh, the more contact-oriented guys – have success in those spots, but uh, not too much of a of a conscious change, but good to know that I can produce in those big spots. All right, Nico, so you've spent your first full winter in Chicago. As a kid from Northern California, how many jackets did you have to purchase? What does your closet look like in comparison to maybe last year? Yeah, it's funny. I, uh, I wasn't really sure how long I was going to be in Chicago. So I kept like delaying the purchasing of, of coats and stuff. Like, I mean, those are expensive, but like, uh, like, so I honestly, I was wearing like one of my girlfriend's jackets for a while and uh, I just kept getting pushed back. So still got those adult purchases left to make uh, in a lot of ways, but I made it through it. I, I got out of there before the, like the 17 inches or whatever, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I wasn't there for the worst of it. The girlfriend jacket. That is a new one. I love it. Well, I look forward a park, to seeing a the jacket A parka turns into swag. more of a jacket at that point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah good yeah, for you. Exactly. <laughs> pink earmuffs too, so Nico. Get the pink earmuffs going. Yeah, or just grow your hair out, right? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Pink earmuffs. I like that. I like that, JD. Nico, thanks so much for your time. Good to see you. We look forward to seeing you soon. Yeah, looking forward to it, guys. Thank you. Well, hopefully Nico is in that gym right now at, at Sloan because it, it is something to behold. One of the best workout facilities in all of the Cactus League. And if there's another guy who knows that, it's a cat that we just talked about just a few minutes ago. That's Jake Arietta. I don't, I don't know what their workout routine, Nico and Jake's, is like. But one thing, Tony, that we do know is that Jake Arietta and Albert Alzali, they're they're like uh, they're like stepbrothers. They're like Nighthawk and Dragon. Did we did did we just become best friends? Yes, you, you still doing karate, kicking holes and pumpkins? No, but they are working on pitching grips and they are catch partners. And that's going to prove to be huge as the season unfolds, T.A.
yeah, it, it's really amazing so far. And uh, I got to catch up with Elsley a bit in, in Cubs camp as he mentioned that, you know, he was so excited when the when Ar- new Arietta was going to be on the Cubs team and he can learn from him. I, I think his actual reaction was like, oh, heck yeah, which is so wholesome and nice, but it's kind of how Elsley is. He's just a, yeah. a great guy that, you know, you want to root for. But the, this is what we've been kind of seeing for a long time here from the Cubs is he's a guy that they've always loved the intangibles. Their organization has loved what he could be as a top pitching prospect for this team. But now with a guy like Arietta to come in, kind of similar stuff. He's obviously a Cy Young winner. They can talk about things like pitch grip. But I, I think the biggest thing and what Elsley has said, that the biggest thing that he's learning from Arietta is the mental aspect of the game, learning from a guy who's been in the big leagues for 10 years, who has won yeah. a Cy Young, who has had incredible runs throughout his career. So that's the biggest thing is how to pitch guys, how to attack guys, and then how to stay focused in between each start or each appearance, whether it's coming out of the bullpen or whatever. So I think that mental aspect of the game and what Arietta can bring to the, the Elzali uh, potential as well, that's going to pay big dividends. Yeah, and uh, Jake Arietta came down the stairs and asked Ever Elzali, hey, hey, did you touch my drum set? He's like, no. He's like, uh, why are you sweating? Well, I've been watching cops. That's exactly, well, for anyone who's never seen Step Brothers and all these references are flying right over your head, just go, just go check it out. Will, Will Ferrell or William C. Riley, it's, it's one of their opuses. But uh, I, I digress because, Andy, as, as you take a look at Ever Elzali, what we saw from him last year, now having that influence of a guy like Jake Arrieta, I mean, he's thrown a pair of no-hitters. He's a Cy Young Award winner. And if you're a young pitcher in any organization that sees a guy with that resume, with that pedigree, that, that's that caliber of a baller, and you don't try to hit your trailer to him, then, then shame on you, essentially. Yeah, and, you know, he, I love the, the whole, oh, heck yeah, reaction to, to Jake Arrieta. Oh, but that, that's yeah all shocks right yeah Yeah. and one of the great one of the cool things that we saw about Albert Alzai last year was you know his his first start you know wasn't the best start then he goes down to South Bend you know works on the two seam and the slider and and he comes back and he looked like a whole new pitcher right and you know that was a small sample size and and we're going to see a little bit more of it this year but one of the cool things that we're going to be able to see is you know the pitch lab is going to help Albert Alzai and all the pitchers out for sure there's no Mm -hmm. doubt about that but there's just some things that the pitching lab can't teach, right? And those are the things. That's when Jake Arrieta comes in. That's you know, hey, when when this when we've got two on and, and it's this hitter, how do we want to attack him? He's got Jake Arrieta, and oh by the way, he's got Wilson Contreras behind the plate, most likely catching him. Who, hey, he's been, he's been developing really well as a catcher. Jake Arrieta mentioned it when when he met the press. He said, hey, he's he's one of the best catchers. I think he learned, uh, ranked him behind JT Realmuto as a, as a, one yeah. of the second best catcher in, in all of baseball. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's improved his pitch framing, who's who's studied, who works really well with the pitchers. You couple that with the Jake Arrieta, and you can see Edward Alzali take not only you know the, the mechanics and the and the pitch grips and all that stuff that is very important, but then the mental aspect of how to attack hitters, how to get outs, how to work your way out of jams, how to how to you know uh, get through a quick inning, or how to get you know if the offense has a strong inning, how to get 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 three quick outs so that you can uh, get them back out on the field. Just it's just little things like that that. The pitching lab can't necessarily teach, but someone like Jake Arrieta can definitely teach and, and can help uh, the mental aspect of it. Absolutely. Tony, have you seen somewhat of a, of a residual effect when it comes to Jake Arrieta on some of these younger guys? Now, we know that the instant bond that's been built between Arietta and Alzali, but what about some of the other guys? I mean, if, if you're a young pitcher, whether you're a guy that's you know on the 40 man or you're a guy that's on the on the minor league squad if you see Jake Arietta and you see this cat walking around in a shirt that's just painted on if you're a younger dude you can if you could pinch an inch 
you have to be looking at Jake Arrieta. I'm like, well, look what he's been able to do. Maybe I need to follow suit and then step right in his footsteps. Yeah, right. And you're talking about a guy that's going to be 35 soon. So it, he's still in great shape. He looks the built, same. Built like a young Cole Wright. Yeah. Ex- you know what? That's <laughs> or, what everybody's been saying around <laughs> Cubs camp is like, look, was that Cole? Oh, no, it's Jake Arrieta. No, it's just so, Jake. Just Jake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, between that and you made the comparison between Nico and Jake's workout routines as well and how that can, that can have an impact. But I think what Arietta can do and, and provide to this team beyond all the wisdom that we talked about with, with Elsley is this sense of confidence. This is like this alpha male guy who said that, you know, he completely shut up the entire Pittsburgh stadium in the 2015 wildcard game when it was, that was about as loud as I've ever heard a stadium. There was like two or three times like the Miguel Montero Grand Slam in 2016 and Javi Baez's homer off Lackey in the 2015 NLDS. That's about as loud as I've heard a stadium apart from from in Pittsburgh for that wildcard game. And Arietta shut them all up. I mean, there, there was that ground ball double play that he got from Starling Marte. Remember the tweet that he sent out before, like, it doesn't matter what, what uh, Pirates fans do. None of it's going to matter. Like, he has this level of confidence, this, like, walking tall because he has good posture and he, he's ripped, but also just – yeah. everything that comes with it, the intangibles of that. And I do think there's a trickle down effect for the rest of the roster and, and what he can provide to even a guy in a bullpen, like Rowan wick, who's kind of built similar, a big, strong guy. Once wick is able to get back and healthy from a side injury that could have a big impact too. So I, I just think in general, you know, it's going to be fun for that. And I think it's fun for the fans too, to see a guy like Arietta come back and, and, you know, hopefully they'll be able to cheer him on at Wrigley Field as well. But it's just an all-around win for this team to see a guy like Jake back. Yeah, I didn't know if you were talking about Jake Arrieta or if you were making reference to a Sean William Scott and Dwayne Johnson movie when you're talking about <laughs> walking tall. I mean, who knows? I mean, you know, The Rock, you know, he's, 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 he's so uh, – he's in pop culture right now. I don't know if you've seen his new sitcom, Young Rock, but – I don't even know why I'm touching on that, but either way, I just wanted to make that, that walking tall reference, Tony. That's you got to get your, your pop culture. Yeah. You, you Absolutely. have so many pop culture references. You need like three or four each podcast, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah. you know what? Here's what, here's one thing I do want to know, Andy, I'm going to go with you on this one first and I'm going to bounce it off to, to tone, but I, I want to know because we talked so much about the pitch lab and everything that the guys were able to uncover a season ago in that, in that, in that pandemic shortened season, but Craig Breslow, he was down there. We, we know he, he, he's a student of the game, and now he's been elevated as the vice president of pitching for the Chicago Cubs. Now, we, we've done some digging, and I haven't been able to find the actual president. So if Craig Breslow's vice presidency is right behind someone who's the president, would that in, in turn make Tommy Hadovy the president of pitching for the Chicago Cubs? Yeah, I think so, right? I think that's who it is. I, I, I don't know, like – there's, there's no, I would prefer to be called the president of pitching, right. As opposed to the pitching yeah, coach, right? but that's just me personally. Does but, that come with like air but, force one or at least like right, a helicopter or something? Yeah, or right. Like maybe this, a Cessna. Yeah. Is, the, is it a different <laughs> section of the charter when he's flying out to games? Like what, yeah. like what's the, what would the president of pitching be involved in? I mean, do you, do you get your own like velvet robe? Do you have your own crest? I'm the president of pitching. Hold on a second. You address me as such i'm the president of pitching if you if you want to talk vice presidential matters just go take that up with craig uh, uh yeah. ta do we, do we know if tommy hadavi is in, indeed the president of pitching or is he just a pitching coach because I, i've never seen a vice president without there being a president no that, that's a good point i, I think he's just a <laughs> pitching coach right now but maybe that's okay. something you can help tommy negotiate his next uh his next contract at and maybe that's the promotion and raise where he goes is he'll be the first ever big league president of pitching 
Well, exactly. I want to see him I... in the dugout with a suit and tie, though, if, if, that, <laughs> yeah. if that, that kind of uh, promotion <laughs> He'll be happens. like Connie Mack with the Philadelphia Athletics back in the day. He all, all suited up with one of those rounded collar and, like, the little skinny tie and everything. Yep. We have a little derby on. And that'd be that'd be glorious. But, like, we, we need to get some digging done. Andy, I'm, I'm going to assign you to this. Tony as well. <laughs> Craig Breslow, vice president of pitching. Still need to find out if Tommy Hadovy is indeed the president of pitching for the Chicago Cubs. And with uh, with that super sleuth case being thrown out there, that's going to bring this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast to a close. And uh, it's brought to you by Wintrust, as always. And remember, download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. And remember to watch the pod on Marquee Sports Network. It's the app. It's tremendous. It's glorious. It's what you should do immediately, if not soon. So for Tony and Andy, I'm Cole. We'll see you next time, gang.